Hi, my friends. I do this work with all my heart for you. So please contribute generously to Future Primitive. But um, I will say a few words about him. It's Kenny Osabel. Kenny Osabel is a writer and he is the co-founder of the Bioneers Conference with Nina Simons. And he is also a journalist and a filmmaker. I'm going to go straight to our conversation because we don't have a whole lot of time. So, well, why don't you speak to us about how it was last weekend in Marin and what you experienced at the Bioneers Conference? Mm. Well, it's a very powerful moment in time right now. And, um, you know, as Tom Shadiak said, the shift is hitting the fan. And so um, part of what we wanted to do at this moment is to really highlight the urgency um, because we really are running out of time for real. I mean, it's the next five, six years are probably the final window to really shift course uh, in order to dodge you know, the bullet of climate change here, which is now unavoidable. I mean, it's not like it's going to be okay. We've just got to keep it from being runaway climate change, complete catastrophe. And so there's a very strong emphasis at the 2012 conference on um, activism, action um, in that regard. Yet at the same time, there's a much more fundamental shift going on of um, you know of consciousness of how we look at um, how we live on Earth, and so there was a lot of very powerful insight I think in terms of you know the the human shift that needs to happen between our ears, you know, um, and we also what was especially exciting to me was we did a full one day intensive that's a call to action to form a network of resilient communities. Mm-hmm. And realistically, what's going to happen now going forward is going to be both bottom up and top down. But um, nature does not favor centralization. And all these too big to fail systems are actually too big not to fail. Um, and we can count on them failing you know, ongoing. So what we're going to see is a radical decentralization of many of our systems at every level, um, you know, particularly energy and food, for example. But also finance, building local economies and governance, you know, having more control how we make decisions about our communities and how people want to live and what sustainability means to you, you know, in, in a more local way. And what I had discovered was that um, after many years of having the privilege of this kind of eagle's eye view of scanning, you know, a kind of a star search across the landscape of who's doing what, we've been highlighting a lot of the leading models and projects of people who are actually doing this community resilience work on the ground. And I realized they pretty much, for the most part, didn't even know one another you know, even the most advanced leaders in these fields, they had never talked with each other. And certainly, you know, a wider circle of people did not have the full picture of the kind of work that's going on and the opportunity that that presents. And, you know, the surest way to heal an ecosystem is to connect it to more of itself, right? (laughs) So basically, the idea was to try to bring a lot of these leading models together with each other and then bring a wider circle of people in who really want to move in these directions. And so that was quite extraordinary. And, you know, one of the big insights that came up, because there's a whole body of knowledge now that's being built around the something called global action networks. And the 
one of the big challenges we face now is um, the magnitude and the complexity of today's problems has completely outdistanced our institutions, which are essentially archaic and unable to deal with the magnitude and complexity. Even things like international treaties. I mean, pretty much all of our political and you know economic and um, systems are just not built to last here. They're not going to deal with it. But um, nature's favorite form of organization is networks. It's that's how it's designed, and these human action networks are very much modeled along those lines. They're what's called global local. They're, they have to be rooted locally, and they have to have a global perspective. Um, they're based on relationships. Um, very close relationships. They're multidisciplinary. You have to bring all the players, all the stakeholders to the table. And they're not about command and control. They're really about um, presenting a systems view where as a player in that system, what you really want is to have influence, you know, um, not control. And so there are several models of this that are quite effective and that's what we think. So there are some very advanced models of these kinds of networks now. One of the ones that we had at the conference last week is the REAMP network in the Midwest, which um, started out about six, seven years ago and it took a systems view. What they did is a very great innovation where they identified the Midwest, the Rust Belt, as the source of 20% of CO2 emissions in the country, almost entirely from coal. Right? and said, if we can impact that, that's a really big deal. And so what they did is they went to the foundations who were funding you know, different parts of that work. And of about a dozen foundations originally, none of them was talking to each other. Within each foundation, the grantees had no idea who each other were. I mean, there was just a completely dysfunctional, incoherent, non-communicating system, essentially. And so the proposition was, if we all sit down together and create a systems map of energy in, the mid, in these eight Midwestern states, would you be willing, depending on the outcome of that mapping, to collaborate with each other and try to bring a systems collaboration to the table? And that was the premise going in, and of course that's what happened. And you know, for example, if you ramp up renewable energy, um, if, if you get rid of coal too quickly, uh, there isn't enough renewable energy to ramp it up and there'll be a huge backlash. So you have to look at um, not only shutting down coal, but energy conservation, how quickly you can bring renewables online, you know, and all the dynamics that go into these different very complicated decisions. So over the past six, seven years, they're now on track to reduce CO2 in these states by 80% by 2030. I mean, that is astonishing. Um, and it's because, and now it's, I forget the exact numbers, but it's about 70 foundations and 170 NGOs. They have a war room, you know, where they have, look at the entire region. If we give money here, is it going to, you know, what's it going to do there? If we advance this project, will it harm something else? Um, and you can actually have a coherent strategy. Um, and they have a, anyway, without going into too much detail, but that, that's the kind of work that's now rising to the surface. Um, and it's in energy, it's in food systems, it's in watersheds, it's in governance, it's in finance. So that was one of our big agendas at the 2012 conference was to start to bring all those players to the table and see what happened. Like you said last night, uh, the way to keep it together is to keep it together. Right. So I'm just going to ask you one more question. Um, I remember you were here four or five years ago with Nina, and uh, now you've uh, been here for two days at uh, one of your children, <laughs> <laughs> Bioneers by the Bay, Connecting for Change. 
What have you noticed? How do you feel? What is the experience for you? Well, a week ago today, we did, um, on the main stage at Bioneers National, we did a, a eight-minute presentation about the Beaming Bioneers program. And we held up um, Bioneers by the Bay and the Marion Institute as being the gold standard. And a few months ago, um, we, we've decided as an organization to prioritize the, you know, this kind of community resilience area of which Beaming Bioneers is really you know, central to our work. And so I started to reach out to a number of people, but I just had this intuition that I should call up the Marion Institute, and I spoke with Disa and did an interview with her to learn what's going on. And I, I mean, I was just astonished. I could hardly believe the progress. And it's not just the conference itself, it's the year-round activity. It's leading to green jobs programs. It's led to now the New Bedford becoming the port of entry for Cape Wind. I mean, it's just one after another. Now the Food and Farming Education Center and Entrepreneurial Incubator I mean, I was just absolutely blown away. And this is what resilience from the ground up looks like. This is what building community looks like. And so I, I'm going to actually come back in a couple of weeks and I want to learn everything that I can and um, you know, start to understand how together we can work more closely to bring this kind of a model you know, ever more widely with ripples in the pond. So many communities are moving in this direction. I think everybody feels it intuitively that we've got to really start changing and they're just groping around for how you know, how do we change? It's not that we want to keep things the same, you know. So I'm, you know, they always put on a great program. I'm sitting there watching the other speakers because I'm really interested. I mean, they do such a good job. And at the same time, I think the community-based work is just mind-boggling. And I'm so um, honored and proud, you know, to see what's going on here. Very good. Well, we're very grateful you're here. Thank you, Kenny. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.